Well, Happy New Year. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. It's good to see you this morning. Good to have you join with us this morning as we sang together. Uh, wasn't that beautiful? I mean, just the new year with their vocal cords, the Holy Spirit of God, and your faces. It just can't get better than this. I don't think. I don't think. We just started the new year off right. And so uh, we're glad that you guys are here. Philippians 2, if you didn't grab a Bible and listen to Leanne, uh, do that now. Grab a Bible. You're going to definitely need that. Uh, Chapter 2, 12 through 13 is where we're going to be. And our sermon is entitled today, My Prayer for You. And what we're talking about is is my prayer for you As, as your pastor. I don't know if you know this, but I pray for you. I pray for our congregation as a whole. I pray for our church as a whole on a consistent basis, but I pray for you individually. We get connect cards in each week uh, that have prayer requests on those, and our staff gets together every week, and we take out those connect cards, and we pray over them. And so I, I pray for you, and I pray for so many things for you, but, but today I want to share specifically what I'm praying for you in this new year, in 2019. What's, what's my prayer for you? Now, I know that many of us, many of you, are thinking in terms right now about resolutions and, and goals and things you want to change for the year, and, and that's a normal thing to do at this time of year, and so for, for you, some of those things may be uh, a diet change, a nutrition change, and maybe that's needed because of a, a health concern, or maybe you just want to shed a few pounds, and, and maybe you're thinking, I just need to add some stuff in my diet, need to take some stuff away from my diet, using simple but weird words called uh, keto and paleo, which I don't know why those rhyme, but maybe just to make life hard on us, um, but you're using words you never thought you'd use. You're thinking about those types of things with your diet. Maybe for some of you, it's with your finances. And you're thinking about debt you need to pay down, uh, houses that you want to buy or sell, investments you want to make, or just hardships financially that just have to change because it's affecting not only your financial health, but your emotional health, your spiritual health, your marital health. And some of you are thinking about those kinds of changes financially, and some of you are just thinking about uh, change in general, like, man, I just... I just need to have different habits. I need to wake up at this time or or go to bed at this time. And hey, we need to get the kids to do their homework in these sorts of ways and bring more structure to our lives. And, And in this new year, all of us are thinking about those types of things. And while those are important, and I hope you do better in those areas of your life, I genuinely hope that you do. That's not what I pray for you. I don't pray for you primarily in those specific areas. Now, why? Well, most studies show that 90% of those New Year's resolutions, just don't get depressed when I give you this stat, right? Just be prepared. 90% of those New Year's resolutions fall flat by Valentine's Day. Do the quick math. It's about six weeks from the New Year, right? Which says something about our willpower as humans and Americans, right? Uh, That most of those fall flat by Valentine's Day. Um, But even more than just the the dim view of these New Year's resolutions, primarily most of them are circumstantial with shelf life, right? That diet is typically a 30 to 60 day thing to give you a boost to take you through the rest of the year, right? Uh, That that reading plan that you're on is typically something that starts off like it's going to be once a week or, or once a day, but it typically has a shelf life that's eventually going to end. And maybe even subtly in your mind, you haven't even really thought about it, but it's, it's going to end in 2020. 
because you're going to have new resolutions to make. And so I could hope for those things to get better for you. I could hope that you try harder and able to secure some structure in your life in different areas, financially, emotionally, personally, in your marriage, in your family, all of those things. I can hope for those things, and I do, but I pray for other things. I pray for things that are going to affect those things, but are really the banner over all of those things that don't end when a, a calendar turns, that don't end when a, a phase or fad of a diet gets old or there's just a football game on and you want some nachos. Amen? Right? My prayer for you is bigger than those things, but it does affect those things. And so my prayer for you is this. This year, 2019, what I genuinely pray for you now, what I will continue to pray for you, what I pray for our church, what I pray for you as an individual, what I pray for you as roommates, as friends, as spouses, as parents of kids, is this. Spirit-empowered, Jesus-centered transformation. Spirit-empowered, Jesus-centered transformation. The, the banner over all the other little details and circumstances that you want to, to change in your life, what I pray for you is this spirit-empowered, Jesus-centered transformation. I pray for that as a, a church. When I think about our church, our church is four years old. I, I constantly pray, not even just for 2019, but I pray those scriptures like that we would be established, built up in our faith that we would be rooted in love, that we would be grown up into our salvation, that we would be matured in Christ. I pray those scriptures in the text for our church as a whole, that, that as we continue to grow in age as a church, that our maturity would keep up, right? that we wouldn't continue to grow in numbers as a church. Well, now we're five years old, now we're six years old, now we're seven years old, but we still see the same baptisms, the same sanctification struggles, like the same exact sins that we just can't let go collectively as a church, the same connect cards that are coming in over and over, asking prayer for the same, same things that we're still hanging on to. Remember when we used to serve a lot in our first, second, third year as a church? Remember when we used to be going hard after Christ because we knew we had to, because we were desperate for God to move, because we were trying to get a new church off the ground? Remember those old days and we're just hanging on to the past and the way we serve and the way we pray and our, and our, our righteousness and our obedience? I, I want a church that, that doesn't hang on or settle in old ways, but constantly sees God work out new ways of righteousness, of obedience, of maturity, of growth, of transformation. It's empowered by the Spirit of God that's centered on Jesus Christ. I want that as a church. I want that for you personally. Because when you get that, when you continue to grow in that, your finances are going to be affected. Your, your marriage is going to be affected. That spouse that you want, that you don't have yet, you're still single, and you're thinking, maybe 2019 is the year that I cross over and I find that spouse. Like you zeroing in on that is probably not going to help you find that spouse, not in a healthy, transformative, Christ-centered way, but if you zero in on Jesus 
and the Holy Spirit of God and the transformation that he wants to do in you, as we're going to see today, that he wills and he works in you. If you zero in on that, that spouse, that friendship, that hardship, that sin, that struggle will be radically altered. And not just for a year, not just for a day, but for all of your days. And so my prayer for you as your pastor is that you would be transformed this year. And so what does that look like? Right? You talk about obedience, maturity, transformation in Christ. What does that look like? I think all of us are here to some extent because we want that, right? Maybe you made a New Year's resolution to be here today. And we're glad you're here. Check that one off the list, right? But what, is it, what does it look like? How does this all get worked out? Well, today we're going to start that conversation, but really we're going to talk about this over the next four weeks in that series that Guy mentioned, how people change. And so we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about this, but today is really a prelude to all of that. We're going to set up, what does this look like to, to be changed, to be transformed by Jesus for his glory, for our Joy. So we're going to get there. Philippians chapter 2, take a look at it with me, verse 12. Philippians 2, verse 12, it says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, there's at least four words right off the bat there that I'm pretty sure you are uncomfortable with. Do you see them? Four words. Can we count them together? Obeyed, work, fear, trembling. Not many songs written about those words. I don't think we just sang any songs about those words. Right? We sing a lot of songs of like, God, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. We don't sing like, oh, we obey. Oh, how we obey. Right? A lot of our, our songs are written about the love of Jesus towards us, the grace of Jesus towards us, the, the beauty of the kingdom of God coming to earth, the beauty of forgiveness, the beauty of, of trust, the, the beauty of, of standing firm in the promises of God, the beauty in the person and work of, the Jesus, of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We sing songs about that. We write poems about that. We share that with other people. And listen, you should, and those are all good and right things to share and sing. But there's also some other truths in the Bible that are just as important for your joy. For your joy, obedience, work, fear, trembling. Do you believe that? That God and his sovereignty and his divine providence has put you here even today to hear this passage, to, to be reminded of words that you don't like, so that you will receive joy. Words that you, you don't often go to of like obedience and fear and trembling and working out your salvation. Words that you're kind of fearful of because you think, well, Tim, by grace, through faith, I'm saved. I mean, I, we don't have to work for anything, right? We don't have to add anything to the gospel. We don't have to, uh, obedience is not just where, we're, where we find God's pleased with us. He's pleased with us before we ever do anything. Like, and we don't even like to go to these other words, but, but God has put these words and put these practices in scripture 
that we would follow and receive joy. And that all those New Year's resolutions and all the areas of our lives that we're considering at the beginning of a new year and that we want to change, and, and some of them we, we're okay with, some of them we really like about ourselves, some of them we hate about ourselves. And God has set up things like obedience and working out your salvation to help bring about change in those areas of your life. But all that being said, I want to give you some context. Context is king when you're looking at scripture. And so we're looking at two verses today uh, for the sake of time. But I want you to see the context of this whole passage, not just so you can have some good information and I know the context of the scripture, but so you can have clarity and power. I'm going to show you what I mean. Look at the text with me. He starts off, this is one long sentence, verses 12 through 13, and it starts with this conjunction, grammar class, conjunction, therefore. Now, what's a conjunction? Why is that important? Is it just good to know for grammar? Yes, but it's more important than that. There's more clarity and power given than that. A conjunction does what? It links two ideas and brings them together. And so as Paul says, therefore, my beloved, as you, as all, as you, as you have always obeyed, now, not only my presence, but much more my absence. Work this out. There's your verb, work this out. Therefore, work this out. We have to go back. What's the context? What did, what did he just say that this therefore is linking us up with? Well, if you know Philippians 2, 1 through 11, is that famous passage. Paul is describing Jesus who put on flesh, who entered into humanity, who descended from heaven, who came to the earth who took the form of a servant, who was obedient even to a death on a cross. That's Ephesians, I mean, that's Philippians 2, 1 through 11. So we're, we're talking about, in Philippians 2, 1 through 11, the work of Christ, the obedience of Christ. And then we get to Philippians 2, 12, therefore, okay, so, in light of all of Jesus' work, here's how you work. In light of all Jesus' obedience, first, on your behalf, here's how that affects your obedience. So this conjunction gives clarity, it gives immense power. As we look at these words that we're fearful of, like obedience and working things out, we need to see that it's in light of a greater work that's already been done. As we're called to Work out your salvation. It's in light of what's already been worked in you. And so there's, there's cloud clarity and power in this context. So Paul is not saying to earn your salvation. He's saying to work out the implications of it. Right? If you think about baptisms, we have baptisms next Sunday. We've had more baptisms uh, on pace for more baptisms in this location than we've ever had in our church. Uh, God's just saving people, but he's also leading people to take their next step in obedience in baptism, to declare publicly life in Jesus Christ. And we, we love baptism Sundays. Come back next Sunday. Cheer on the people that are getting baptized. If you need to get baptized, sign up for that today. But here's what happens in, baptize, in baptism. We, we get in the tank, we get in the water, and we publicly declare that our position has changed. We publicly declare that Hey, I am a new creation in Christ, that the old has passed away, the new has come, that my standing is no longer isolated, it's intimately loved. 
that, that my position is no longer alienated, it's at home with Christ. That my position is no longer an orphan, but it's a child of God. It's no longer a slave, but a servant unto the king. That it's no longer somebody who, who hopes for God to like him or her. It's no longer somebody who begs for God to be pleased with him. It's somebody who, who looks at God as a father who is already completely pleased with you in Christ. And that's your position. You're declared righteous before the God of the universe in Christ. That's what we celebrate in baptism. That's why we clap so much. That's why we take pictures that's when we invite our friends and family. That's when we implore you to get baptized because it's a really big deal. Your position for all eternity has been changed. But here's the reality. Baptism isn't the final day. Baptism is the first day of all your days. That's the salvation you are publicly proclaiming, but then your sanctification works that salvation out for the rest of your life. That baptism isn't the end. It's not something you check off and say, I'm clean, I'm good before God, my family saw that, they're not worried about me anymore, thank God, they'll get off my back. And I'm going to heaven, I punched the ticket. That's not the beauty of baptism. The beauty of baptism is that today you celebrate my position has changed, but now you get the rest of your life to work out practically how that works out in all of life. And so you go from a position change to a progressive change that goes on for the rest of your life. And so as Paul says, work out your salvation, he's describing this beautiful gift of positional change that we have in Christ getting progressively worked out for the rest of your life. Theologians would call this, break it up into two categories, mortification and vivification. You don't ever have to use those words again, but I do want you to know what they mean. Mortification is to put things to death. Vivification is to bring things to life. Right? God's salvation in you is not cheap. It's not powerless. It's not just a prayer you pray. It's not a formula you recite. It isn't just water you get into and get dunked and come out of and everybody cheers. God's salvation in you the power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead in you, the Holy Spirit of God in you, the third person in the Trinity sealing you, working in and through you, that changes things. That puts some things to death. That brings some new things to life, right? And that's what Paul means when he says, work out this salvation, that there are some things in your life that still need to be put to death, that lust still needs to be put to death. That greed still needs to be put to death. That, that insecurity, that worry, that anxiety that consumes you still needs to be put to death. But not only that, I, the sanctification process that working out your salvation is not just putting things away, it's bringing new things to life. Right? If you ever meet a Christian who's just Man, I'm, I'm plugging along, and I'm, I'm just trying to get rid of this, and well, how are you doing with that? Well, I'm just kind of struggling with this, and 
I mean, I just know I need to get rid of this, and they're just doom and gloom. Like, we should have guilt and conviction about our sin, but it shouldn't just end there, right? We should also be talking about, like, I mean, I just, I want to love Jesus more in 2019. I want to love my wife sacrificially as Jesus loves the church. I don't even know if I have that desire yet, but I want that desire. That's the vivification, And that takes all of your life. It's an authentic, it's a progressive transformation over the course of time. But here's what I know about that, and and I know this about you because I know it's true of me, is I'm 36 years old, and we're starting 2019, and I thought by this time, I would be further along, right? I thought our world would be further along, like Back to the Future didn't help with that. I I thought there would be flying, you know, Objects and just ways to drive around <laughs> more stress-free than we have right now. I thought a lot of things would be different. 2019, but I thought things would be different in me. I thought things, I've been married 12 years. I thought it would just be way easier to love my wife and serve her and do the dishes and come home from a long day at work and and lead her in a small devotional that's impactful for every area of her life. I thought that would just come more natural to me by now. Like I would be a sage veteran at this thing. I thought being a pastor, but man, 2019, like at that point, like sermons are just gonna come like clockwork. No more wrestling and writing stuff on paper and then throwing it away in the trash. And then starting all over again? Like, no, I'll just be inspired by God and it'll just flow freely on the page. Like, I, I thought things would be a little bit further ahead than they are. You ever feel like that? And the reality is, sometimes as we work out our own salvation, vivification, mortification, right? we don't realize We had a positional change. Now we need a progressive change, right? And what we want in a flash in the pan, right, the the paleo diet, the keto diet, 30 days, new self, new me. We want this financial strategy that's going to fix everything. It's going to fix it by the summer. What we want is a is a strategy, and God's given us salvation and sanctification that is progressive. Salvation happens in a moment. Sanctification happens over a lifetime. And many times, we we think, I should be further ahead. But the reality is, one, you are, but God's not done with you yet. That you have the rest of your life, and God's mortifying things in you and vivifying things in you. And he's doing that over and over and over again. But sometimes that's still discouraging. And so I want to give you some encouragement. How does this happen? Like how do we get further ahead than we thought we would, would be or that we'd hoped we'd be? How do we actually start killing some of those areas of our life that we're like, they're still here Like 2019, like I got to have the same resolution that I had in 2018, like it's still here. Like how do we actually get rid of that sin that is plaguing you? How do we get the power to love our spouse, 
to read the Bible with our kids, to have the energy for our day to talk to that coworker and not just treat them as someone in the next cube, as a project, as a task, but as a person made in the image of God who we're called to love. Like, how do we actually make progress? Where do we get the power? I thought I'd be further along. Where do I get the power? Here's where we get it. Look at verse 13. Paul says this. For, here's the result, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, this is where it gets good. This is where it gets encouraging. Because as we are called to obey and work out our salvation in light of what's already been done for us, it's not just in light of the work that's already been done for us. It's in light of the work God is presently doing in us and through us. Look at what it says. For it's God who works in you. Work out your salvation. Obey. How? Well, it's God who works in you. What does that look like? He wills it and he works it. So first he, he wills it that your desires begin to change. You no longer live for your will, your plan, your goals, your desires. God gives you new desires. I remember reading a story in a book about a guy who was a Christian guy and was talking about that he was an introverted guy and that he loved Jesus and loved people in theory but just didn't like hanging out with them. And specifically, they had a neighbor who was just kind of annoying. One of those neighbors, I know none of you have them, right? But other people do out there hypothetically have neighbors that they don't love, right? They don't like hanging out with and they, they try to avoid and they go inside their house really quickly when they see them going inside their house, right? And he talked about that. Here these neighbors and I know like I'm supposed to love them but I don't even know what that looks like. I don't, want to, I don't even want to say hi to them when I'm taking out the trash. And he talked about at dinner with his wife, he, he shared this and sort of was confessing, you know, I know I'm introverted, like, and I just, but I just am annoyed by these people. And his wife said, maybe God has placed you in their life so you could love them and you could receive God's love more by loving people that, that are hard to love. Because you know what? You're hard to love. And God loved you. And he didn't like hearing that. But he said, you're right. And so he thought of some things to do. Hey, I can bake something and, and bring it over to their house. Hey, I can. When I'm going out to the trash cans, uh, we can just simply say hi to one another and just, hey, how's your day going? Happy New Year, those types of things. And I can just be cordial and nice, and maybe we can do some nice little service things to them. And he started to do that, and week, two weeks goes by, back at the dinner table, and she's like, hey, how's that going? I mean, People that are hard to love, you're hard to love, God's loving you, it goes both ways, like, how's that going? And he he said, you know, I don't know if I like them. I still don't know if I like them, but I think I love them. Like, I think God is growing my heart for them. And I don't know that we'll ever be best friends, but I want to think of more ways we can serve them and engage them. See, God changes your will. God changes your desire. What gets worked in begins to get worked out. But it's not even just what has already been done in the person and work of Jesus Christ gets worked out now in you. God begins to change your will and desires so that it gets worked out through you. So so God works 
in you. He changes your will, and God changes your work. He gives you the energy, the ability, the strategy, the power to work out those new desires. All the the ways you're able to serve, all the ways you have made progress in your own life, all the ways you're able to pray, all the little nuggets you give your kids or your friend when they're struggling or your spouse, that you just get a glimmer of truth and they're hurting and you're able to speak truth in that moment, that each time you're able to do that, that's God working in you. That's God giving you those words. Like all the progress you've made that you don't think is far enough, that's been God doing that. That God is willing things, he's changing your desires, he's working things in and through you. What's been worked in is now working out and it's working through you. So this is where our power comes from. This is where our clarity comes from. And this is my prayer for our church, that we would see this progressively, authentically, this transformation begin to work itself out in our lives. We see Paul, same author, Colossians 1.29, say this, sums this up beautifully. He says, for this I toil, I work. He says, struggling. For this I toil, I work, I struggle with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Right? And so do you need to work out your salvation? Do you need to walk in obedience? We're going to talk about that over the next four weeks of practically what that looks like and spiritual disciplines and all of those sorts of things. We're going to flesh that out, come back for that series. But don't forget that it's his energy, that he powerfully works it, that what has been worked in, now get works out, get, gets worked out. But even as it gets worked out, it's his work. It's his will. It's his transformative power doing that in your life. Now, there's some implications of that that are pretty impactful. Pretty impactful for our lives, our marriages, our families, our church, our community, our city. Because the implications of this is that working for God is never in vain. If God's giving you the will, if God's giving you the ability to work it, the work you do is never in vain. Why? Because it's not just you. God's supplying the energy. God's supplying the power. God's supplying the resources. A lot of other work you do in your life will be in vain. Some of that work you're doing on your diet is going to be in vain. Like sometimes just eating more fat and cheese and meat and not eating carbs, sometimes that's not healthy for your body, right? And maybe some of that work is in vain. Some of that work that you do at your job, some of those projects that you do at your job, some of them are gonna be in vain, right? Your boss is gonna tell you they're not in vain, that everything matters, right? But some of those spreadsheets, nobody looks at them, right? Some of the work you do is in vain, but not the work you do for God. Not the obedience that you walk in before God. It's never in vain. I know I was thinking about this over the holidays. Um, I got sick over the holidays, and now, consequently, my family is sick, and it's just going all through us. Happy New Year to us, right? And when I started to feel sick, it was actually the 23rd, our Christmas service, and Christmas Eve, and when I started to feel that, I went to Sprouts, And I bought every herb and supplement you could possibly imagine. Every turmeric, 
and ginger and nasty little thing I could drink and pill I could take and gummy I could chew. Right? And, and I tried all of these things the other day because it was kind of going through a house, and so my wife's now trying those things, and we're just like, this can't, school's about to start, work is starting for her on Monday. Like, we can't have this. Like, it's got to end. we got to kill it, mortify it in the name of Jesus. So we're literally, like, taking shots of, of these weird turmeric things and just pills and all this sorts of stuff and um, trying all these different things. And as we're doing that, my wife and I literally both look at each other simultaneously and we're just like, do you think this really works? <laughs> and we're both just like, probably not, but, but maybe it works a little bit, right? And, and the reality is there's things like that that we work and we work, we still get sick, kid still has a fever, work these things out, put all this time and effort, like, this is going to solve it. This relationship, I'm going to put work in, like, this is going to happen. This strategy, these goals. Tim, this year's goals are different. I know 90% of the people out there fail by Valentine's Day, but you don't realize the elite plan that I got in here. I mean, I'm the 10%. I mean, have you seen the spreadsheet? Have you seen, I got graphs. We got chalkboards up written with cute little calligraphy. Like, we're going to do this thing this year. We got the system perfected. And you have all those things, but the reality is some of those things are going to be worked in vain, but not your work for God. You see, the reality is I shouldn't wish I was further along than I hope. Because God has me exactly where he wants me to be. Now, he doesn't want me to stay here tomorrow. He wants to continue to work this salvation to change my will, to change how he works it out within me and through me to other people in my life. But God's willing that. God's working that. There's power in knowing that. It is authentic, progressive transformation that goes over the course of a lifetime. And you can pray. Listen, you can pray even if it seems like I don't know what to say. Like, you know those dinners with your family and things are just kind of chaotic and it's like, do we even need to pray? I mean, does anybody even listen? Like, Susie's over there running around. Like, what are you eating off the floor? Like, say, stop that. You're like, is this prayer going to work? Yeah. Because you got eloquent words? No. Because it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So that prayer works, even in the chaos. So that time you read scripture with your spouse and you think, should, should we even do this? I mean, we just, we'll just turn on the audio Bible. Does that count? If you don't actually read it and you just listen to it, does it still count? It works. Why? Because it's God who works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Every prayer you pray, every Bible verse you read, every person you serve, every way you love somebody, even if it is cordially saying hi to them when you take out the trash, everything you do as you work out your salvation for the glory of God and for the joy set before you is worth it. It's not in vain. Why? Because it's backed, guaranteed by God himself.
And so my challenge to you as we open up this new year is have some resolutions, get the system, dial it in. But seek this spirit-empowered, Jesus-centered transformation. It will affect all of those other things, and it will not be in vain. And any energy you put towards that and planning you to put towards that, it will be worth it. And God's going to change you. That's my prayer for you as a person. That's my prayer for you as our, our church. Let me pray. God, I want to thank you for the truth in your word that we don't always love to read and we don't always love to sing about or write about, but obedience and, and working out the salvation that you have worked in. God, I pray as we start the new year, you needed us to hear those uncomfortable words. And you needed us to, to realize how you have given us your will and your desires and your work even on our behalf so that we might see obedience, transformation worked out in and through us. God, you are going to do this. It's your energy. We toil, we struggle, and we work it out. But God, you're working it in and you're working it through. And so God, I pray that that would encourage some people today. I know there's men and women here who maybe this was one of their resolutions. Come to church. And maybe in some dim view, they thought, well, that will just fix everything and check that off the list. And God, I just pray that they would dig a little deeper to know that one hour on a Sunday does not bring the type of transformation that you desire for our joy, for our new year, for this amazing 2019 that you've called us into. God, help us to take what we learn here and apply it to our lives and obedience and working out of what you have worked in. God, I pray that you would make that real in families' lives and in marriages in this room who, who need some work. Communication that's just non-existent or just distorted. And every time things come up, there's just a lot of tense moments and yelling. Disconnected relationships, financial hardships, hidden sin that's just plaguing us and drowning us. You know what those things are. I can't hide from you. You know how it's killing us, and, and you know how you want to kill it. You know how you want to mortify it. You know how you want to vivify and bring to life other things in our life, and you, you know what you want to accomplish, and you know what you're doing for the 36-year-old who thinks he should be further along. For the mom, for the grandpa, for the, the kid, for the for the worker, God, you know what you're trying to will and work in them. And God, I pray that we would dig deep to, to know that, to step into that. No, none of that will be in vain. It may seem like it in a moment, but God, you are working out progressively in our lives a transformation that is beautiful, that is sure. He who began a good work in us will complete it. God, may we work in light of that, in light of all of the personal work 
of Jesus Christ that we stand before today, that we kneel before today, that we celebrate today, that we adore today, that we sing about. God, that that's the power that works everything out in us. Help us to trust that, believe that, live that. Father, I pray as we sing about that now, we would believe it. That you would change us, change our church, transform us in your image, I pray.